Wednesday, May the 5th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Pfizer's earnings and markets jittery about, quote, inflation. First, the world in brief. Pfizer reported revenues of $14.6 billion for the first quarter of 2021, a 45% increase on the same period last year. The pharmaceutical company's strong results were driven in part by sales of the COVID-19 vaccine developed with BioNTech, which netted it $3.5 billion. It raised its expected yearly revenue from a maximum of $61.4 billion to a maximum of $72.5 billion. President Joe Biden set a goal to have partially vaccinated 180 million American adults by July 4th, with about 160 million of those to be fully vaccinated. The administration will redistribute vaccine shipments to states that ask for more jabs. Mr Biden also said he would move quickly to vaccinate adolescents. Some 105 million Americans were fully vaccinated as of May 3rd. G7 foreign ministers met face-to-face for the first time in two years to discuss, among other things, the pandemic and threats to democracy. The world's seven largest advanced economies held COVID-19 secure talks in London ahead of a leaders' summit next month. In addition to the G7 leaders, the foreign ministers of Australia, India, South Africa and South Korea were also invited. The EU's Trade Commissioner, Valdis Dombrovskis, said that a controversial investment deal with China was, quote, suspended because of Chinese sanctions against EU officials, intended as retaliation after the EU applied sanctions over China's mistreatment of its Muslim minorities. The EU took it back, slightly, saying that Mr Dombrovskis' announcement had been quoted out of context, but also said its, quote, evolving dynamics with China should be considered before the deal is ratified. Janet Yellen, America's Treasury Secretary, spooked stock markets by hinting that interest rates might need to go up should Mr Biden's $4 trillion stimulus nudge inflation too high. The Nasdaq and S&P indices promptly dipped. Ms Yellen later explained that she does not believe inflation is imminent and was not herself recommending an interest rate rise. Isabel Diaz Ayuso of the Conservative People's Party, PP, was the big winner in Madrid's regional election. The incumbent doubled her party's vote and won 65 of the 136 seats in the regional assembly. She may need the support of Vox, a far-right party, to form a government. The election has implications for Spain. The PP hopes victory in Madrid will begin the party's march back to national electability. The United Nations and the EU accused Colombia's security forces of using excessive force to clamp down on protests, including opening fire on protesters. Demonstrations broke out last week after President Yvonne Duque unveiled a controversial tax reform bill, which was later withdrawn. Colombia's human rights ombudsman reported on Monday that 19 people had died in clashes with security forces. And fact of the day. About 7% of British adults fell victim to a cybercrime in 2019. And now here's today's agenda. Patently unclear. Vaccines as intellectual property. As a wave of COVID-19 cases devastates India, its fast generic drug-making industry is itching to mass-produce the jabs needed to inoculate the country's 1.4 billion residents. Yet the global patent system has hitherto prevented them. Today, the World Trade Organization's General Counsel will discuss waiving an agreement that protects pharmaceutical companies' trade secrets. 
supporters of vaccine patents argued that their waiver would do little to boost supply. Vaccines are tricky to make, and taking away the profit that patents guarantee could slow investment needed to develop life-saving medicines. But the ideas is advocates counter that the companies have to do more to vaccinate the world in light of the huge amounts of government money they have received, and that reasonable compensation can still be provided. Joe Biden's administration, which, along with Britain and the EU, has so far blocked the proposal at the WTO, reportedly remains torn between the two arguments. A Rock and Hard Place Remembering Napoleon To mark the bicentenary of Napoleon's death in exile in 1821, Emmanuel Macron, France's president, will today lay a wreath at his tomb in Paris and give a speech. The former emperor remains a divisive figure, even in France. Some consider him a strategic mastermind and modernising genius. Others say he was a tyrant and butcher who squandered France's supremacy in Europe at Waterloo. Mr Macron will declare that slavery, which Napoleon reintroduced to the French West Indies in 1802, was an abomination, even judged by the values of the time. The speech is supposed to be part of his effort to get France to face up to all aspects of its history, including in Rwanda and Algeria. Yet some will see the commemoration as an act of defiance against, quote, cancel culture. Others will think it's an unnecessary distraction at a time when the country has yet to emerge from the third wave of the pandemic. First glance. Stellantis. Stellantis reveals its first quarter results today. The carmaker was formed by a mega-merger sealed in January between Fiat Chrysler Automobiles and PSA, a French firm that makes Peugeots and Citroëns. Investors will hope for some comment on the impact of chip shortages that are affecting production across the industry and confirmation that the car market is still recovering healthily. Most, though, will be looking ahead to July, when Carlos Tavares, the Stellantis boss, will reveal more about its electrification strategy, beyond recent announcements of four new, quote, platforms, the underpinnings of a vehicle, on which to consolidate the group's electrified vehicles, and plans for two battery plants in Europe. These details will coincide with the next set of results, which should provide more concrete information about cost savings from the merger. Late this year, or early next, the company will also outline its long-term strategy and targets, which, given Mr. Tavares' past form, will probably be ambitious. Who's up, who's down? Mental health and COVID-19. With the very few exceptions, such as face mask makers and puppy breeders, the COVID-19 pandemic has been miserably disruptive for everyone. But how miserable? Today, the Office for National Statistics will reveal the extent of depression in Britain and how it has changed. Other data, such as a panel survey by researchers at University College London, suggest that depression and anxiety were high in March 2020, declined during the summer, then rose again, roughly tracking the COVID infection rate. Young people reported lower levels of happiness and life satisfaction than old people last year, though it's not yet clear how that has changed alongside vaccine rollouts. Meanwhile, researchers in the Netherlands have reported something surprising. Although more Dutch people reported symptoms of depression and anxiety last year, those who were already suffering before the pandemic did not become more depressed. It is possible that the pool of despair has become wider, but not deeper. Immortalised in chocolate. Picasso's Guernica. 
When the Gestapo searched Pablo Picasso's studio in occupied Paris, one officer pointed to a photo of Guernica and asked the painter, quote, Did you do that? No, Picasso replied. You did. Picasso's abstract black and white mural depicts the aerial bombardment of a small Spanish town of the same name in Spain's Basque country. The bombing was carried out by Nazi and fascist forces at the request of Francisco Franco, the leader of Spain's nationalists, during the country's civil war. At the time, it was estimated that 1,600 Guernicas had been killed. On April 26th, for the 84th anniversary of the bombing, Basque confectioners pulled off a new form of commemoration. They rendered the painting in chocolate. It took 40 chocolatiers to whip up 14 chocolate slabs. When placed together, the slabs form a 27 square metre replica equal in size to the original. The tasty tribute was initially unveiled in Guernica and will soon go on a tour around the region. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Soran Kierkegaard, who was born on this day in 1813. The tyrant dies and his rule is over. The martyr dies and his rule begins. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. Thank you.